1: comply or die is that the new ethic is that the new billboard is that the new signage uh, is that the new motto we are going to have for covid listen to don lemon last night bill will you play me don lemon if there's another voice it's uh, it's uh, chris cuomo's with him
2: people and so i think we have to stop coddling people when it comes to this and the vaccine saying oh you can't shame them you can't call them stupid you can't call them silly again yes they are the people who aided and abetted Trump are stupid because they believed his big lie. The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. Because they are keeping the majority of Americans behind. You didn't feel that way about the polio vaccine. You don't feel that way about measles, mumps, rubella when it comes to your children, and all of a sudden this vaccine is different. What's different about it? They're children different vaccines. Thing
1: about it is, this isn't, for one.
2: It's because of your politics today. The the people talking about. Well, I don't know what's in the shot, Chris. I don't know what's in that shot. They I'll get, tell you what's not in it. Hold on. A tracking me, device. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me let me let me finish this. You know what's you know what they they get shots in, nowadays, in their rear ends. They're getting shots to make it bigger. They're getting shots in their face. Okay, these are individual
1: choices, not mandates. Don, you're an idiot. Comply or die. How did we get here? Never has this been said by the left or right about drug overdoses, that we're not going to have hospitals treating people who overdose on drugs. Never has this been said about automobile accidents where someone may have violated a driving regulation by moving into another lane illegally or a crosswalk or you name it, any number of driving regulation violations that might lead to an accident. We're not going to treat them anymore. What if you're not wearing a seatbelt? Maybe we won't treat you in the emergency department. Never has this been said or done by anyone. Now, the first response I have to Don Lemon is not necessarily the best one, but he is calling unvaccinated Trump supporters and idiots dumb. He is. That having been said, we are indeed talking about a very large number of minority Americans, are we not? African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans particularly. And in Don Lemon's own front yard, not backyard, in New York City, where Don Lemon lives and works, for example, the latest, most up-to-date numbers reveal That in New York City, where Don Lemon lives and broadcasts, 70% of Caucasian Americans are vaccinated. 70%. What percentage of the African American community in New York City is vaccinated? 14%. 21% of the Hispanic community. Is Don Lemon calling them? Well, I don't know what the bigger insult is. Dom or a Trump supporter, or both. Who's broadcasting misinformation now? If we want to triage by shame, which is what Don Lemon is engaging in, I'm wondering when obesity might possibly be brought up. I'm fully against shaming anyone, especially in a pandemic. Let me make that clear. I'm against bullying, too. I've been working on bullying issues from software innovations to working with public and private schools I'm I, since uh, maybe 2002. I'm guessing I've done more about bullying than Don Lemon ever has. But it does beg a question as to Don Lemon's limiting principles or really any principles, doesn't it? Here's what we know. The vaccine may generally be a very good idea for most people. It may be, may even be a great idea. I say maybe because by the day, the promised efficacies and results of getting vaccinated become more and more untrue. Almost everything that was said about the vaccine with certainty has been untrue starting, starting With Anthony Fauci saying we would never have one in 2020 and repeating that and then moving to the CDC, speculating that wearing a mask would be better than a vaccine. Now I have no idea. Is it better or is it worse? I I just don't know anymore. But neither does the CDC. Neither does the CDC. So that's why I say maybe. Everything they've said with certainty is changing. Well, people say, well, science changes. Yes, I get it. And information comes sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. And this is a novel virus. I get it. Except no one who gave us orders and mandates and shame ever said that. If they had, be a different country today. If they said this is what we think right now and it may be subject to change, if they said because we're not certain, we're not going to force everyone into a one-size-fits-all, Vaccinating? are you really – I'll I'll talk about dumb and stupid for a moment. Are Are we really so dumb and stupid as to accept that everyone over the age of 12 is in the same category of physiology and health such that they should be subject to something that's experimental. or Not experimental. Let me not use the word experimental, but let me say untested in children. Everyone over 12. Are you telling me that there is no difference between the next 13-year-old that walks into this room and the next 12-and-a-half-year-old or other 13-year-old? Really? Really? And that the difference between um 11 years and 8 months is physiologically different than 12 years plus 1 month you cannot be making these rules and be serious or expect to be taken seriously so that's why i say the promised efficacies have become more and more untrue i can go into all that if you want but to what first first just as you know i hope you know we were told you couldn't get the virus if you were vaccinated. That was, that was the first thing we were told. But you could. Then you couldn't transmit it if you were vaccinated. But you could. Then you could take your mask off if you were vaccinated. Now you cannot if you follow the CDC. Then, and by then, I mean two weeks ago... of hospitals and deaths were of the unvaccinated. You all know that number. You've heard it repeated ad infinitum and ad nauseum. 99% of hospitalizations and deaths were of the unvaccinated. Now it's 90%. And in some states, less. I suspect it will get less yet. Each of these items has a series of issues around them, too. But, just take with this example. How many of you know that a new study revealed 50%, 50 half of hospitalizations are mild or asymptomatic. You aware of that? You are not aware of that. Check it out. 50% of hospitalizations are mild or asymptomatic. All these hospitalizations and beds filled with COVID patients. Or were they patients who had covid and only knew it because of the test, some virus that when you don't even know you have it or try this. In Israel, the vast majority of cases at one point this summer, well, over 80 percent were in the vaccinated, doubly vaccinated. Or try this as we engage in masking and vaccine policies for children. This is not a story about children. This is a story about adults. But illustratively, there have been 2,700 breakthrough deaths in this country. That is to say 2,700 lives lost to COVID or with COVID from people who were fully vaccinated. 2,700. That's 10 times the number of children who died of COVID this year alone. Five times the number of all children COVID deaths since the advent of the COVID-19 virus here. Adult vaccinated have died at a rate of 1,149% higher than all children. Oh, yes, there are 2,200 children in the hospital with covid pales in comparison to the 11,500 vaccinated in the hospital, a greater than 420% difference. Finally, for Mr. Lemon, here's a keen stat for you to think about. Actually, I have to take a break. Let me give him a keen stat to think about when we come back. Don't go away. 602 60 Be right back.
0: The various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah.
1: Well, I was talking about uh, Don Lemon and his uh, stupid and terrible and impossible idea that hospitals should st- stop treating the unvaccinated who get sick with COVID. If that ever became The rule in New York City, that would mean that something like 85% of African-Americans who get sick with COVID now would be turned away from the hospital. Because only 15% of that population is vaccinated. But if we remove race entirely from this discussion, which I think we really should If we remove it totally, then we're still left with an awful lot of problems that come from not only homicidal fantasy, but authoritarian personality disorder. Who is any journalist? Who is any single American to dictate to physicians, hospitals, health givers, who they can and cannot treat? based on sometimes behavior that is volitional and sometimes behavior that comes from voleity. Here's a keen stat for Mr. Lemon to think about, and it's one he'll never speak about. I would wager that CNN won't let him. I would wager that. I would wager... That CNN has no limits on what you can say about conservatives or Republicans, but you will get called into the woodshed if you said the same thing about other Americans, perhaps including the obese. Here's a keen stat for you to think about. The obese are three times more likely to be hospitalized or die from COVID than the non-obese. The New York Times has a study out of Columbia University showing the obese having a 60% higher likelihood of being ventilated or dying from COVID from the non-obese. Who's going to pay for that, Mr. Lemon? I'll make you a deal. I'll make the deal with Mr. Lemon or whoever the wealthiest person is at CNN. I'll start arguing that the non-vaccinated pay their own way if you're willing to cover the costs of the obese who are hospitalized. At the end of that wager, if you take it, I'll have more money. But of course, this is a point Mr. Lemon and a wager Mr. Lemon will never agree to because it's really dumb and really stupid. And because it's dumb and stupid, it's obviously also impossible. Just as Mr. Lemon's point was really dumb and really stupid. But I fear his may not be impossible. The rate at which things are going in this country, I wouldn't be surprised to see Don Lemon's idea be proposed in some state, if not federal legislature. You will find it. We will find it. Bill, we're going to have fun here. I guarantee you in the next 30 days on this show, we will be able to find a state legislator, who has proposed this. At least one. At least one. But the rate at which things are going is why I wouldn't be surprised. It's why I'm not surprised that General Milley is going to get away with what General Milley did. And it's why I'm surprised—won't be surprised, and I'm not surprised— That Joe Biden is getting away with what Joe Biden is doing, not with just regard, not with just regard to the vaccine mandate, but with regard to rent abatement, with regard to predator drones killing innocents and their families. Remember when a drone would take out by accident or misplanning, whatever, a drone would take out. I remember one particular story about a wedding. Wedding party (coughs) because of faulty intelligence. It's all over the news. Of course, it was a Republican president. Joe Biden predator drones 10. What appear now to be civilians in order to have a response and victory to the blowing up of American soldiers in Afghanistan in the middle of our evacuation. And the best the Secretary of State can say under oath, Antony Blinken, is we're investigating what happened. To which Rand Paul was absolutely right. Maybe before you set a predator drone on someone in another country, you first investigate rather than fire and kill, and then investigate. So there's very little that surprises me anymore. John Hinderocker said it hauntingly, and I fear truthfully. In a country with a constitution, none of this could happen. So what does that tell you about this country? See, the funny thing about the constitution in this country Democrats, God bless them, truly. God bless them. They used to respect and defend the Constitution, too. They thought it important, too. I'm old enough to remember a vibrant and active American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, and a vibrant and active Democratic Party used to speak about the Constitution all the time, all the time. And we would have arguments about certain interpretations, but the writings of Madison and the writings of uh, the entire founding generation, Hamilton, John Jay, James Wilson, Gouverneur Morris, I mean, just the whole kit and caboodle they could quote, and they did often. I remember it. It wasn't so long ago. Again, we would argue over the interpretations, perhaps. But that just doesn't exist anymore today. That party is gone. The party that does that is gone. The only time you hear the Democratic Party talk about the import and integrity of the Constitution is when they are using it as a weapon against Republicans who are presidents and need to be impeached because the political process failed them. That's the only time you hear things like constitutional crisis from Nancy Pelosi or quotes from Benjamin Franklin about a republic, if you can keep it. She must have said it a hundred times during the first Trump impeachment. The most worn And tattered phrase Franklin ever said was the one she grabbed to try and use. It's the only time they quote or cite the Constitution. For everything else, they think what's important is what Charles Lipson said on this show yesterday. Not the old Constitution, but a new one. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. It's the company I and my family and my friends use. Love Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Forget the heating for now, but if you have a plumbing or air conditioning problem, or you're in the market for a new air conditioning unit, a repair, a replacement, an inspection, I want you to call Cool Touch. You will be so glad you did. You kind of have to work with them or call them to know what I'm trying to express, but I have never found customer service as responsive and as polite as I have at Cool Touch, even on a Saturday night. If you have any air conditioning or plumbing problems, if you're in the market for a new unit, air conditioning unit, a repair replacement, or again, any plumbing problems, give Cool Touch a call at 623. 623- Seven three four one nine three two. that's six two three seven three four one nine three two. or visit them online at CoolTouchAC.com, that's CoolTouchAC.com. If you want a concept, or the beginning of a concept, of um, the entire problem with constitutional and Constitutionalism in America today. Ask yourself, who's in charge and who elected them? Who elected James Frederick? Do you know who James Frederick is? Most people don't. Most people know who Rochelle Walensky is now, or a lot of a lot more people do anyway. She's the administrator. For, she's the director of the Centers for Disease Control and prevention. James Frederick, you're going to get to know him, even though you didn't vote for him. Surprise, surprise, he used to be the head of a union. He's now the head of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, better known as OSHA. Why is that important? Why is that important? OSHA sits, by the way, at the Department of Labor, just so you know. It's not a, it's not a part of Health and Human Services. Or commerce. It's in the Department of Labor. Why is this important? Let me quote Thomas Lifson. Joe Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, retweeted an MSNBC reporter writing, OSHA doing this vax mandate as an emergency work place safety rule is the ultimate workaround for the federal government to require vaccinations. Is that what you want your presidential chiefs of staff spending time on? Workarounds to the normal order of the regulatory regime? Workarounds? It's okay. It's okay. Turns out that working around by piling responsibilities on the Occupational Safety and Health Administration overlooked a small problem. It's incapable of handling the vaccine mandate, which they are being charged with administering. What we have right now is chaos, said Michael Lotito, who represents businesses For Littler Mendelssohn, we have an office of Littler Mendelssohn in our building. It's a big labor law firm. What we have right now is chaos because of the unintended consequences of making such an announcement where there is no clarity with respect to gargantuan numbers of questions that have been left open. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to say it. The open questions of the vaccine mandate include such issues as who will pay for the weekly COVID tests? For people working for companies with more than 100 employees who have the testing option if they decline the vaccine, who's going to pay for that? They're not cheap. And now think about taking 50 a year. It's millions of dollars a year to any size company. That's what we're talking about. But even more fundamentally, OSHA is a tiny agency by federal government standards. I'll say some more about this when we come back. I'll say some more about this when we come back. And for all you right you uh, you, you, you you history buffs who think Nixon was a right wing terror, just remember the administrative state mostly came from him. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you don't know the name James Frederick, or if the word OSHA is strange to you, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, James Frederick is the head of it. They're the ones charged with empowering, enabling, and enforcing the new Biden vaccine mandate. They're going to have a problem, and. Here's how you know the administration was doing everything it could to find a way to mandate vaccines separate and apart from constitutional restrictions and general administrative policy. They looked and looked and looked and looked and looked, and they came up with the administration least known and least able to really effectuate what they're trying to do because they think they have a threat of a constitutional argument on its behalf. It otherwise makes zero sense. It makes zero sense as a matter of public health for the employed and the unemployed. For the children as well as the adults, it makes little sense to have a universal vaccine enforced in only the working aged population and from their place of work. Reuters reports that what we're talking about is 80 million workers, 80 million workers. And OSHA plans to publish what's known as an emergency temporary standard to enact the White House requirements. That measure, using the emergency temporary standard, has only been used 10 times in the past 50 years of OSHA's life, with courts having invalidated at least half of them as overreaches. So to police these 80 million workers, how big is OSHA? How well-equipped is OSHA to deal with it? They have 800 safety and compliance inspectors to cover more than 100,000 private sector companies affected by this new rule. In addition, the agency has largely failed to hold employers accountable for unsafe conditions already. There are many avenues for legal challenges to the mandate, Lifson reports, including the question of whether an illness with a 99% plus recovery rate for anyone of working age constitutes an emergency sufficient to cancel the right to privacy that the Supreme Court of the United States proclaimed or resides in the penumbras of the Constitution. Can I repeat that? I don't know how it's an emergency where 99% plus recover. Find the federal judge and the mandate, finding the federal judge and the mandate can be tied up for years in courts if you plan on getting one constitutional answer to whether this is legal or not. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. If you think we have a Constitution, how do we get to a point? How do we get to a point where you can have a really good or well-reputed federal judge in, I don't know, one circuit going to the same law school as a federal judge in another circuit, maybe in the same classes, coming out with a different decision and a different answer? How do you do that? You do that when you don't have a constitution. That's how you do it. David's in Scottsdale. Hi, David.
0: Hey, Seth. How are you doing?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I am good. I am good. Thank you. Um, this call, I was going to make this the other day when uh, Lou and Jeff Holtmans were in.
1: Oh, Lou and Hugh. Lou and Hugh. Yeah, right. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yes, you and... Sorry, yeah. That's okay. Um, just just Dave- think
1: Donald Duck's boys.
0: <laughs> okay. Huey,
1: Louie, I don't um, know the rest. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, there's a whole a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, so I was listening to the show. And, by the way, the data analysis regarding COVID is phenomenal. It's just – <coughs> Well, positive. thank you. It's, it doesn't fall on deaf ears.
1: Thank you. But
0: here's my question to you. <coughs> is, anyone, is anyone like them doing any research or data analysis on deaths from the vaccine –
2: so that's such a great question.
1: Yeah. And the answer the, – the first answer is yes. Um, it's known as the uh, Adverse Events Reporting System, uh, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting, V-A-E-R-S. Oh, okay. uh, and the CDC, believe it or not, um, does keep those numbers. If I'm being slow, it's because I'm pulling up what their latest report reveals on it. And then I want to say something about it, because I don't want to run with this number, even though I can justifiably cite to the CDC. Um, Bear with me here one second, and I will give you that number. VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, has received 7,650 reports of death among people who received a COVID vaccine. Now, this is um, this is separate. This is separate and apart from the question of who dies from COVID after being vaccinated, right? This is separate so- and apart from that. But I think there's a really big problem here. And I think the problem is it's way too new of a situation to know whether this is causal or coincidental. It's just just too hard to know. But so, too, is every COVID death that we report. Hard to know whether it was causal or coincidental. Not every, but a lot. Most. The way it's been reported, the way it's been reported, David. I mean, first of all, let's start with the fact that the new research says 50% of the hospitalizations, and we were pulling our hair out over hospitalizations, 50% of those were mild or asymptomatic. Now, let, I mean, if we're talking about the dangers of things, let's talk about the dangers of things. We're also aware that we count an extra 30 days than most other countries and our European counterparts in designating a death due to COVID. We say 60, they say 30. In other words, I don't, I, I don't know that we can trust very many of these numbers at all at this point, David. I just don't know that we can. And I have to tell you, I'm becoming more and more suspicious of all of them, more and more suspicious of all of them. Welcome back to the Seth Leafson Show. Um, We're going to have David Schweikert joining us in the next hour, and uh, we'll uh, talk about a few things. But based on what I was saying with regard to OSHA, let us not be surprised, let us not be surprised, if in the budget battles you see huge surging proposal numbers to increase the budget of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Because they've now been tasked with doing something they are ill-equipped, unequipped to do. Ill and unequipped to do. I was thinking a little bit about successful societies and unsuccessful societies. And one of the things, one of the major things that Americans have until ever so recently been able to do, is without reservation claim that if you are looking to a society that offered the most potential for success, the most potential for opportunity, the most potential for freedom, the most potential for individual rights, and the most protection for all of those, it would have been the United States of America, hands down, no question. And there would have been wide agreement on that outside of a college or university. And it was based on, I think it's fair to say, six principles. Six principles. And I'm going to throw them out there to ask you how you think those principles stand. Those principles included a government of, for, and by the people, representative government. It required the rule of law. It requires the rule of law. It requires a respect for property rights. Otherwise, be communist. It requires a certain amount of responsibility. As Irving Kristol put it, if you believe in self-government, you need to have selves worthy of governing. It requires a strong education system and it requires a strong work ethic. Those are about the six things, work, responsibility, education, property rights, rule of law, representative government. If you have a a seventh, I'm open to it. Now tell me how any of those six pillars stand in America today compared with 30 years ago. This is my theme, what can happen in a generation. We subsidized not working. We ruined our education system. We've taken away personal responsibility. Property rights are at the whim of the court or the government. The rule of law applies only against partisans of one party and not the other. And as far as representative government goes, if we had a strong one, you wouldn't have the problems with the first five. Don't go away. David Schweiker coming right up. We'll be right back